So, awesome. Uh, let's pray, go before the Lord, and uh, thank God for these things, and pray for the Bachelmans, and then we'll open the Bible, okay? Father God, you are good, you are sovereign, you are way more powerful, way more able uh, than what we imagine. God, forgive me for my doubt, forgive me for my lack of faith. Father, change us, transform us, use Centennial Church. Lord, we pray that this week you would use John and his team in a mighty way in Russia, that you would multiply disciples, leaders, followers of Jesus in that area, that they would uh, be better equipped, and Lord, that you would impact that part of the world. We thank you that we can partner in just a small way to be part of what you're doing around the world. And God, we give you praise uh, for the way that, that you lead us, for the way you guide us, the way that you walk us um, by faith, and the way that we can see you provide um, Lord, for this time, I pray that you would open our eyes, that you would use these moments to challenge our hearts, to refresh us where we feel dry, to challenge us where we are apathetic, and to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, we continue in our series called All Things New. All Things New, and this is not a series, okay, contrary to the title about Collin County, All Things New, get it? Uh, it is not a series about Collin County where we expect all things new, everything is new, but it is a series about the newness that God wants to bring to our hearts and indeed to the whole world. God, throughout the scriptures, talks about newness. Newness, it's a theme from Genesis to Revelation. We've already spent a couple of weeks talking about how we are a new creation. The last week about how he has created a new community. And this week we continue on in this series. Next week we'll talk about how God is creating, get this, a new world. You've read in the scriptures perhaps before about how one day when Jesus returns, he will create new heavens and a new earth. A new world is coming. This theme is all throughout Scripture, but today we jump back in, all things new. And just to begin this morning, don't you, don't you love it when you get something new? Uh, maybe, maybe it's a new car. Maybe you love that new car smell like I do. I've never actually purchased a brand new car myself, but I smell other people's new cars, <laughs> uh, sniff in people's cars. That came out different than I had planned it to. Uh, <laughs> But don't you love getting something new? Maybe, maybe it's even something as simple as a new pair of shoes or a new golf club or anytime I get a new phone, I'm just kind of isolated in my own little world for an evening, right? Just getting something new is such a, a great thing often. But that said, that said, let me caution us in this series for a moment by saying this, uh, that not all newness is good, not all newness is actually uh, better. In fact, one example of this came this week here at the office when I walked into the office and I found these delivered to our office. Does anybody know what these are? This old antique thing. This, this, these are called phone books, okay? New phone books came this week. Ah, I was waiting. When are the new phone books gonna be here? Because if I'm without a phone book, I don't, I'm, if, I'm being sarcastic if you haven't figured it out. <laughs> Laying it on pretty thick. Uh, 
New phone books, this, I, I got, this is absolutely worthless, okay? Who is still producing the phone books? I'm gonna leave uh, this up here in case you need one this morning after church. You're welcome to those. Um, not everything that's new is great or even helpful. This actually, to be honest, this is a phone book uh, called the Christian Business Phone Book. All right, so just so you know, every place and person in here is a Christian, okay? So again, I'm being sarcastic, but... Uh, Someone needs to tell them, get a new medium, okay? Uh, Not everything that's new is always better. And in fact, not everything that's new is true or helpful. Just because something is new doesn't mean it's true. In fact, in the realm of theology and Christianity, if it's something brand new that no one else has said before, no one else has taught, uh, beware, It's probably actually false. Not everything that's new is true or helpful. And conversely, not all that's old is bad, boring, or in need of replacement. Okay? This series is not about pitting new against the old. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's great. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's bad. But we are talking about this theme of newness that, as I said earlier, is a theme all throughout Scripture. And this morning, we're going to look at uh, perhaps an odd one, one that I haven't spent uh, much time thinking about, but as I was planning this series, I thought, you know what, we need to think about that. And it's the theme of a new song, a new song. All throughout Scripture, we're told, we're actually commanded to sing a new song. We sang those very words earlier as we were singing together, a new song. Are you aware that as a follower of Jesus, you need to sing a new song, both literally as well as metaphorically, as we'll talk in a moment, a new song? Now, this will tell you a little bit about my personality, but when it comes to new songs, uh, I get a bit obsessive, okay? Uh, When Andrew or Shannon or someone tells me, hey, listen to this new song, I download it on my phone, and then I just kill it. I mean, over and over, 50 times in a row, you know, and Elizabeth will be like, are you not yet getting sick of that song? Uh, that's, that's a little bit of who I just, over and over, I just kill it, crush it. Uh, but we need new songs, and we need to embrace songs that we've never heard before, and particularly in the Christian life, sometimes we can get in a rut, and it kind of becomes same-o, same-o, and we need a bit of freshness, a bit of newness. And songs, literally, uh, can do that in our hearts, okay? So turn with me this morning, and we're gonna look at a couple of places, but we're going to begin in Psalm 40, okay? Psalm 40. Go ahead and turn there with me. There's Bibles in front of you. It'll also be on the screen this morning, this brief. We're gonna look at the first three verses, of Psalm 40, and then we'll move on to another psalm and make some applications this morning, okay? A new song, verse uh, chapter 40 of the Psalms. And by the way, the book of Psalms is, uh, you may think of it as a, the prayers of the Bible, but Psalms really is poems. These are actually songs. It's the hymn book of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. And in Chapter 40 here, we're told at the beginning to sing a new song. And if you're not familiar with the Bible and you're not familiar with the Psalms, this part of Scripture, you may just know this psalm if you're a big U2 fan, okay? Because they actually sang Psalm 40 
years ago. So read along with me uh, as I read the first three verses here. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. This is God's word. We actually sang it uh, just earlier. And you'll notice if you look, I read beginning of verse one, but if you look in your Bibles, particularly if it's a printed Bible, you see the title before Psalm 40. In my Bible, it says, my help and my deliverer. And then the little title right after chapter 40 says, to the choir master, a Psalm of David. This is a literal song. And in the song, he's telling us to sing a new song. If you look again at verses one and two, we see why we should sing. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. What is the psalmist part in this song? What is the psalmist telling us? He's saying that his part at this time in his life was that he waited. He cried out. He was in despair. He was in a miry place. He was sinking He was lost. He was desperate. And it says that he waited patiently and he cried out. That was his part. What was God's part? God's part was that he heard. God heard his cry. He was faithful. God heard his cry. God drew him up from the pit. He set his feet, set my feet upon a rock. And then verse 3 he put a new song in my heart. Here the psalmist is telling this, that much like us, he had experienced this crisis in his life. He was in a miry pit. He was sinking and he cried out to the Lord and the Lord was faithful. God rescued him from this circumstance, this trial. And if you were here last week as we looked in Ephesians 2, you will remember perhaps um, that In Ephesians chapter 2, the beginning verses of Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, it talks about how we were lost. We were in a pit. And the words that we looked at last week in Ephesians chapter 2 said that we were helpless, that we were lost. It says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That's the condition that we were in. That's parallel to what the psalmist is saying here in verse 2. We were lost. We were dead in trespasses and sin. And he goes on to say, Paul says in Ephesians 2, that we were by nature objects of wrath. Not the news that most of the TV preachers are going to tell you, all right? But that was our condition, helpless. The psalmist's condition, helpless. And yet God saved us in verse 4. But now God does something. And we see that in verse 3, that God saves us, he draws us up, he sets our feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. And then not only does he save us, but verse three says, he puts a new song in my mouth. A new song in my mouth. And what is that song? It's a song of praise to our God. He gives us a new song. Both, I would argue, metaphorically, as well as literally, sing a new song. He gives us a new song to sing because he has delivered us. So you'd say, verses one through three, you could outline it like this. The first two verses, he saved me. 
And the second, or the third verse, he songed me, okay? I made up a word there. <laughs> Cut me some slack, all right? I'm from Oklahoma, and that's the way we talk. And there ain't nothing wrong with it, okay? He saved me and he songed me. He put my feet on a rock and he gave me a new song to sing. My life has changed directions because God rescued me. I sing a new song and it's a song of praise to our God. What was the song before? Everybody sings. Everybody exalts. Everybody praises something in life, whether you're a Christian believer or not. You're worshiping something. You're singing a song and the psalmist is saying, my song is a new song, whereas before my praise might have been to myself, my exaltation might have been to my own accomplishment, my focus might have been my own family or myself or my career. Now my life song is a praise to God because of where he has placed me, of how he has saved me. He put a new song in my heart. Again, metaphorically as well as literally And you may have never thought about it before, but Christianity and following Christ, you could say, is a song. And maybe you've never thought about this. Maybe as you've explored Christianity, you've thought, you know, Christianity is a religion. It's a philosophy. And guess what? It it is, in some sense, a philosophy, in some sense, a religion. But it's also a song. If you leave it just at the religion level, just at the philosophy level, or just as a a holy book that you should read and, and follow, what you get is a religion of knowledge, a philosophy, a way of life. But the scriptures would tell us that not only is following Christ following truth, not only is it knowledge, but it's also a song. And song implies what? Emotion, joy, affection. You sing when, not only when you're happy or when you're joyful, also when you're sad. Obviously, we have tons of country and western songs about sadness, right? And the girl that left and took the dog. But, but often when we think about song, we're talking about uh, exulting, being joyful. And Christianity is, is not just an emotionless knowledge. It is also a song. That when God saves us, he puts a new song in our mouth. We don't just know that we've been saved, but our affections are changed and we sing about it. We have a new direction. We have a new song. So you can say it like this. Christianity is not just knowledge disconnected from emotion. Christianity is not just a philosophy, it's not just truth, it's not just facts that Jesus has died for me, it's not just knowledge disconnected from emotion, but it's also not emotion disconnected from knowledge. You see where I'm going with this? It's not empty, flat, mental ascent, just knowing something, but it's also not ecstatic, experience only, happy, clappy, everything's okay, but there's nothing firm, there's nothing true about it. Christianity is a song, and it has lyrics, and it has music, and it grabs the mind, and it moves the heart. It's a song. Move over with me to Psalm 96. Psalm 96, most of the places that we're told to sing are in the Psalms, this songbook. 
But in Psalm 96, we see a different angle on this. In Psalm 40, we see that God has put the song in us. God's the actor, we're the recipient. But in Psalm 96 here, we will see that we are the singers. He's put a song in our heart, but here in Psalm 96, we are commanded to sing. So look at the first five five verses of Psalm 96 with me. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. I want to look at this for a minute, but before we get into Psalm 96, let me say this first of all about the frequency of this command, sing a new song. All throughout scripture, I said we're commanded to sing. Even just, a, just in the book of Psalms, we're commanded to sing over a hundred times. But to sing a new song, we're, command, we're commanded by my count nine times in the scriptures to sing not only a song, but to sing a new song. Now, if we're commanded to sing a new song, what, what are the hymns only people gonna do with that verse? Sing a new song. No, the old songs, the hymns, right? Just the traditional stuff. There's people that think that, you know? There's churches, hymns only, the good old-fashioned stuff. It's true, it's doctrinal, it's theologically correct. I love hymns. But notice that the Bible itself says, sing a new song. So don't pit the new songs against the old songs or the old songs against the new ones. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul is going to tell us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. All different types of songs. Psalms, the psalms that they sang in New Testament times. Hymns that they wrote themselves and some of them found their their way into the Bible. If you look in Colossians, Philippians, places like that, there are actually hymns that are inserted into the scripture of text. And spiritual songs. What is is Paul saying? Colossians 3.16? He's saying write some new songs. These are spirit-led, spirit-induced songs about what God is doing, not just in the past, but now sing a new song. It's a command. I'll say a little bit more about that in a minute, but it's frequency. Over and over, sing. If you took all the songs out of the Bible, you would have a much thinner Bible. Christianity, following Jesus, is a song, and it's a song that we're supposed to sing. But think for a minute, not only about the frequency of that, think about the oddity of that the oddness of singing together. I mean, maybe you've grown up in church, you've been doing this all your life, but maybe you haven't, and you come and you visit a church and people are singing together and it's just a little weird. Because think about it, where else does that happen? That you get together and you sing with people. Now, all of us have been to concerts And maybe at a concert, you break out into song, right? Maybe you sing. But most of the time, you are going to be sung to by a band, by a group. 
And yes, maybe when U2 is singing where the streets have no name, everybody in the whole place has their lighter or their cell phone and they're, and they're all singing. But most of the time, you're going to be sung too. If your kid's in choir or your kid's in a musical or whatever, you're going and you're not going as a participant, you're going as a spectator to watch, to listen to people sing to you. Think about how odd and rare it is that you gather with some people, some friends, and sing. I mean, do you do this at your family reunions? Mine, not at mine, thank God. But it's just odd. Now, there's a couple, there's a couple of reasons, I think, that you, you find people singing together. One of them, okay, I, in college, I was a member of a fraternity. Bill, Bill Teal over here is my fraternity brother, if you didn't know it, okay? He, uh, both Fijis, he was a couple pledge classes ahead of me. That was sarcasm again. Uh, just a couple, uh, but we would sing songs as a, as a fraternity. And what did those songs do? They, they yeah, it's kind of corny, but my freshman year, we won Freshman Follies. We won Spring Scene because the Fijis could sing, all right? There's some cowboys over here. They know about the Fijis. We could sing. But what, what, why do you sing? It's, when you sing a song as a, as a fraternity, it's something that unites you together. It's something that you're celebrating. It's this common unity that you have and you're singing. It's odd. It's rare. Now, it's not rare because in some sense, because sometimes we'll go to a football game or whatever kind of sporting event, and if you're a part of that team, you start singing the fight song, right? That's another place where you might sing corporately because you want to win. But again, you are, you are united by your loyalty to that team because of your association with that school, because you are alumni of that university, right? I can think of another uh, weirdness, real weirdness when you see people singing together. And that's how many of you have been to a wedding where there are Aggies present? Yeah, I mean, weird. They, you know, at some point in the after party, they all get in a circle and they start swaying and they all knew this song and everybody on the outside of the circle is looking at them like, yeah, they're a different breed. They're just a different breed. But they're singing together. Why? Because they have this weird unity and all these quirky traditions that they're so proud of it and it unifies them together. It, it gives them a common, get this, a common doctrine, perhaps, a common truth that they adhere to. But other than that, other than those maybe three instances, you don't just hang out with your buddies and get together and sing usually. But hear me, in the scriptures, we are commanded to sing together. To sing together. Look at Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Notice, first of all, that the song is new. We're to sing a new song. That's verse 1. But also notice verse 2, that the song is constant. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Look how constant it is. We're supposed to sing from day to day. It's new. It's constant. Thirdly, it's vast. Look at the vastness of it. Declare his glory among the nations. Declare his marvelous works among all the peoples. 
It's new, it's constant, it's vast. The whole earth is supposed to sing this song among all peoples, among all nations. And notice it doesn't just say all people. It says peoples, plural. All nations, plural, all people groups are to sing about this great God who has rescued us from a miry bog and set our feet upon a rock. It's new, it's constant, it's vast, all the earth, all peoples. But it's also, finally, verses four and five, it's rational. It's rational. Why? Because look at verse four and five. Why should you sing to the Lord? Because verse four, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Why do we sing? Because the Lord is great and there's nothing greater than him. There's no other God worthy like our God is. He's gonna go on and say all the gods of the peoples, verse five, are worthless idols. Worthless. The only rational thing to do is to worship the one true God because everything else that you worship, whether it's your work, whether it's your family, whether it's owning a bunch of stuff, whether it's making a name for yourself, that's a way of exalting yourself, of bringing praise to yourself. Everything else under the sun that you would worship is a worthless idol, but the one true God. The one true God, the Lord made the heavens. Everything under the sun, everything under heaven, he made it. Therefore, he's worthy of worship. He's worthy of a song of your life. So we're commanded over and over, not just to sing, but to sing a new song. I asked our teachers this morning before you got here before our classes started, I asked our teachers of our elementary kids and our preschool kids, I said, do you think that at some point, either today or in the semester ahead, you will teach the kids in your class to pray? Yeah, 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 we'll teach them. We want them to pray. That's, that's what Christians do, right? They, they pray, commanded to pray. Do you think that you'll teach them sometime today or through the semester to read the scriptures or to read the Bible with their parents? Yeah, yeah, we'll teach them to read their Bibles. We want them to be people of the word. People of prayer, people of the word. How about this? Will you teach your kids sometime today or sometime this semester to be singers? It's commanded. It's a command to sing to God. Amen. When you gather with God's people on a Sunday morning, guess what? You're commanded to sing just like you're commanded to read scripture, just like you're commanded to be a person of prayer, you're commanded to sing. So guess what? When you come in here on Sunday mornings, singing is not optional. It's required. So this is where I get to bang the hammer and say, folks, prepare yourselves to sing. This is not a concert. It's not a musical. It's not a choir up here. You're not spectators. You are participants singing now, before I come off too hard, you know what? There are times that when we're worshiping the Lord, when we're singing here, I want to sit down and I want to close my eyes and I just want to hear the words and I want to think. You know what? I'm worshiping, even though at that moment, I'm not singing. And some of you are thinking, you know, I've never sing. I don't sing in the shower. I have no desire to sing. Well, you know what? There's, there's times I don't, I don't want to pray. 
But I find that sometimes when I don't want to pray, it's kind of the time I need to pray most. You're commanded to sing. And guess what? The Bible also says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. So if you're singing as a noise, (laughs) as long as it's joyful, sing. It's a command to sing. So I want to encourage us this morning, a little pep talk here. We want, to be a, we want to be a church of the scriptures. We want to be a people of the book. We also want to be people of prayer, people of dependence upon God, people commune and talk with God. I also want us, get this, to be a singing church. So when you come in here, don't have that deadpan look on your face and don't just stand there. And sing! Sing! We're going to sing in a few minutes. I hope you'll sing. That's literally sing and sing a new song. But metaphorically, I want to talk to you like this. Sing a new song. The Bible tells us to sing a new song. Why? Because we need a new song. Because we've been get hit and repeat over and over. And quite honestly, we're sick of it. Or someone else is sick of it. Man, you just do the same thing in your Christian life. You get up, you go to church, and you're the same on Monday. And you're the same when you come home after work. But you, you need some newness in your life. You need some freshness in your spiritual life. Sing a new song. What do I mean by that? I mean, find some, some new rhythms, some new routines in your walk with the Lord. Maybe it's literally listening to some music. You know, we have a version app. It's this great free app that we promote at the beginning of every message. You can go to YouVersion. You can click on live event. You can find Centennial Church. And every week, the songs that we sing are tagged there where you can click on them and listen to them on um, YouTube. They're posted every week after service on our Facebook page. These are the songs we sing. Maybe a new rhythm, a new routine for you would be to listen to those songs, to prepare your heart, to sing on Sundays, to prepare your heart before you go to work, before you get out of the car at work, to listen to that song. It's a new rhythm. It's a new routine. There's a lot of mornings, quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of mornings that I just, I don't get up, spring out of bed, and I'm not, not just chomping at the bit to pray. Sorry. But I've noticed that sometimes if I'll put on the headphones and I'll listen to Chris Tomlin or Shane and Shane or All Sons and Daughters or some, some music, that it will warm my heart in a way that prepares me to pray and prepares me to read the scriptures. Are you dry this morning? Are you going through the motions? You need some newness? You need some freshness in your walk with the Lord? The scripture says, sing a new song. Get out of a rut. Maybe you need a Bible reading plan. Guess what? Version app. There are dozens and dozens of, of Bible plans that can take you through the Bible. The New Testament alone or the New Testament and some Psalms or the whole Bible. I've never been able to finish those things. Okay? Maybe, you know... You're a faster reader than I. But there's tons of Bible plans. Maybe you need the new rhythm of a, of a new bi, uh, Bible reading plan. Maybe you need a new habit of getting up earlier in the morning, spending some time with the Lord in Scripture, taking some time to journal and pray. Maybe you need to, on your way to work, yeah, stop and grab that Starbucks, but arrive at work and sit in your car for 10 extra minutes and listen to a song, sip your coffee, and sip on scripture and then get out 
and start a new routine. Sing. We're going to be people of the word. We're going to be people of prayer. Let's be singers. And every one of us gets in a rut, myself included. And it's just on repeat. Same old song. I want you to bow your head with me this morning. And hopefully by the leading of the Spirit, just think right now. Holy Spirit, direct me. How can I sing a new song? How can I enter a fresh chapter with you in my walk? Let's take a moment to think about that. Last week we talked about, or two weeks ago we talked about how God has made us a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You've got a new chapter, you've got a new life. You've been reborn, born again. But we're also told that in Colossians and elsewhere that we have to walk in newness. This morning we've seen that God has put a new song in our heart. He's done that. And yet also, we have to sing a new song ourselves actively, dependently. Father God, would you work newness in our hearts? We do not, Father, we should not, we need not some just new experience or some uh, emotion. But Father, we want to know you and that's a relationship and it takes cultivation and it needs freshness and newness and new chapters so we pray that you would help us to walk in newness with you convict us where old habits need to fall away and new habits need to be formed may the song that you've put in our heart come out of our lips and make us singers We have a lot to sing about. Most of all, Jesus, we sing about you. Thank you that you're not a fable, you're not a story, you're not a philosophy, you're not a book of knowledge, but that you're a person who's come and rescued us. Put yourself where we deserve to be so that one day we can be where we don't deserve to be with you in a new world. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.